What is up guys, my name is Sahil and I am a second year UBC Medical School student and in today's video podcast we'll be interviewing my good friend Adrian Graywall and talking to him about his journey into medical school and how many times he applied before he got in. But first, let's cue the intro. Alright folks, welcome back. If this is the first video that you're watching of mine, I want to say a big thank you and welcome to our YouTube community. On this channel, I like to make health and fitness videos, I like to make medicine related vlogs, uh, travel vlogs and other fun videos just like this one. And with that being said, please do not forget to go and smash the like button before we even begin this video and the subscribe button because I mean, what's better than watching and listening to your friendly neighborhood med student every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. And with that out of the way, I do want to mention that this video podcast and all of the video podcasts for this series are available on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you guys watch podcasts. Um, so please do make sure to go subscribe and listen to the audio version of these as well. We do include some special question and answer periods that are only available in the audio version and not uh, in the YouTube video. So do make sure to go check that out. Now, with that stuff out of the way, I do want to give a disclaimer and mention that anything AJ and I talk about in this video and this audio podcast is opinions of our own. We do not represent or speak on behalf of any med school admissions committee or any type of admissions committee for that matter. These are our experiences um, and we just want to share that with everyone else. Um, and that is the goal of this whole YouTube channel and this whole podcast. So with that being said, let's go ahead and start talking to AJ. All right. Thank you so much for being here, AJ. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, well, I've known you for about two years now since med school started, but you actually grew up in Abbotsford as well, right? Yeah, I did. I've been there, I did all my schooling there from elementary, middle school, and high school. So yeah, I was born and raised. That's awesome, man. And how did you get into like, knowing that you wanted to become a doctor and get into med school? I think compared to other people, it was relatively later on. Mm -hmm. um, I began to seriously think about it maybe around grade 11, grade 10 or 11. And the way I got into it was I tried to do some volunteering within the community and two experiences in particular really helped me, motivated me to pursue a career in medicine. One was my volunteer experience at the Abyssal Regional Hospital where I was just like a volunteer uh, team leader and I got to see what life was kind of like in the hospital, just seeing patients and seeing different conditions. And one that really influenced me was my time at Tabor Home. Mm -hmm. which is a long-term long care facility. And that one in particular, I my role was to just go in there, kind of just um, provide some companionship to the residents and just essentially play games with them. And there was this one resident in particular where I would go and we would always play Chinese checkers. And that was just the kind of thing that we did. I'd go in there, immediately go to a room, grab her. She'd be like, it'd be a really good time and really good games. And one thing I noticed was early on was that she kept trying to kept repeating the same story over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it got to a point where she would mess up in her story and I would know what the true facts were, but I wouldn't correct it. I just like, oh, 
that's a little bit different from what you told me last time. And that was just my first time being exposed to someone that had a neurodegenerative disease. And I later found out that she did have Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. And it was really shocking just to see the kind of effect it could have on a person, how it had an effect on her personal life and just her current care in the long-term care facility. And that was maybe the starting point where I started to think of a career in medicine because I was fascinated about how something like this can develop and what we can do to try to help people that are living with this condition. So that was about in grade 11. And then in grade 12, I had this amazing, amazing biology teacher. She was hilarious and he made biology really fun. Mr. Bulat at uh, Rick Hansen. And um, that just further cemented my passion for wanting to pursue medicine. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the major reasons why I applied to do a bio major at, at UBC. So that kind of all went, um, that kind of drove me to go to UBC and pr- pursue a major in biology. And while I was there, I did a lot of different activities, whether it was at research labs or volunteering at UBC hospital, where all those experiences just built on um, motivating me to continue to pursue a career in medicine. Um, while I was in university, um, I would say the most impactful volunteer experience I had was the Vancouver Crisis Center. Mm-hmm. And I joined that because it really gave me an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution because I'd be on the phone lines talking to people and it was my own voice that would be making a difference. Whereas in a typical volunteer role, whether at a hospital or at a long-term care facility, what you're kind of doing is just a role where it's very easy to replace you. You're just kind of going through the motions. But at the Vancouver Crisis Center, you really have to be engaged and you get some really good experience talking to people that are going through various crises or various situations. And I would imagine that's what really um, cemented, again, my reason to go and pursue medicine. Wow, quite the journey, man. It's not just like one life event, there's so many things to it, right? Yeah, definitely a lot more than I kind of just try to keep my answer short there, but there was a lot of things that just kept building on each other and building on each other. For sure, man. Yeah, I feel like that's often the case for a lot of people. Um, And now the million dollar question that I'm sure you've gotten asked so many times, but uh, it's such an interesting fact. I think this is what I was so shook when I found out this from you. But my understanding is that you applied to medical school six times before you got in. How? how, I I lose track. Five times. Five times, okay. I um, essentially began applying as soon as we were able to apply, which is in second year. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a good group of friends that were really, that had similar goals. So we kind of applied and kind of learned the process together and they really did help me get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. So I started applying in second year and I just applied because I was like, hey, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. I wasn't really expecting anything. Mm-hmm. And I actually received an interview while I was my first time applying, I received an interview. I did the interview and I got out of it, and I was very naive about the whole process. I'm like, wow, I, like, I got an interview and everything. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I knew, I, even though I got the interview, I probably wasn't going to get in. That was the first time I wrote the MCAT as well. And as you know, UBC looks at the MCAT presumably after the interview. So um, that didn't play a factor into me getting the interview. So after all, after they looked at my whole application, I'm like, mm, I probably didn't get in. So 
after that I applied again I just applied every year since really so I applied the following year and I actually didn't even get an interview that time and I think the main reason was because um in my third year I took a bit harder courses and my GPA did come down mm-hmm. so I didn't get an interview I applied again the following year my third time and I get I did get an interview but this time I was waitlisted by UBC mm-hmm. so it was nice to see I did make progress in terms of getting closer to it but it was pretty heartbreaking to get waitlisted and having to see what would happen Mm-hmm. Um I was very hopeful that I would get in so I was very optimistic but unfortunately I didn't get a get in off the waitlist So then I had to like game plan again and then I applied for the fourth time and I got waitlisted again so I got waitlisted two years in a row mm-hmm. and for the whatever reason the second time right when I got waitlisted I just had this feeling I wasn't going to get in so it was not as it was a bit more it was a lot more difficult than the first time getting waitlisted and i didn't get in off the waitlist so then i applied the fifth time and that's when i finally was able to just get over the hump and did well in the interview and i was able to finally gain admission jeez man that is quite the journey personally yeah. i applied uh, two times first time got waitlisted and even that first time i felt like it was the end of life for me like i felt like i was couldn't breathe for a couple of minutes i felt like my whole life was over um but that that's like that small mindset when you don't know too much right you think that my whole life is dependent on getting into medical school and i think a lot of premeds usually have that mindset um what was that like for you the first time um when you didn't uh get in um the first time i was waitlisted first time you're waitlisted yeah So first time I was waitlisted I was actually kind of a little part of me was happy because I've been through the process where I did not even get waitlisted the first time second time I applied to even get an introduced so when I got waitlisted I'm like okay I'm like super close to getting in this is like good news I'm making progress mm-hmm. so I wasn't too down on myself and I just had this weird optimism that I was going to get in off the waitlist so mm-hmm. I waited throughout the whole summer and after I did like finally received the news that didn't get in mm-hmm. it was already time to apply again so i didn't really have time to be too down on myself and it was on to the next application so being waitlisted the first time actually wasn't too difficult it was the second time where it was actually really really tough right that was the time when you didn't get the interview right on uh, this uh the oh. second time so i got uh, i applied i got an interview then i miss i didn't get an interview and then i got waitlisted twice and then i got in so after i got waitlisted the first time this next application I got waitlisted again okay i was under the uh, understanding that you uh, didn't get the interview the second time or one of the times around but you got an interview the previous year right yeah damn yeah. that so that is tough um i understood why i didn't get an interview the second time though so the first time i applied again i had no expectation that i even know what to really think or um what the process was really like so when i got that interview i was like wow this is amazing mm-hmm. and then the second time when i didn't get the interview and they give you your statistics where they give you your academic score and your non-academic score i saw that my gpa did go down and i guess i didn't meet that threshold so although it was difficult i'm like I kind of understand why I didn't get the interview so I decided to uh make sure that in my fourth year I had to like kill my GPA really for sure for sure um so in regards to like changing the application up 
the second time and the third time around, did you change uh, much of it around, like for the extracurriculars or the way you spaced things? Um, or were you just focusing on your grades after that? In the beginning, like um, the second time I applied and I didn't even get an interview, I knew that it was my GPA mm-hmm. that I really had to focus on. So fourth year, I really um, made sure I was dedicated to make getting the best possible grades. And each year after, whether I got waitlisted, um, then I had to kind of, each year was kind of a new approach. I had to sit down, I had to really assess what my application weakness was and um, really have to game plan after that. So when I didn't get the interview, I knew that the first thing I had to do was to get my GPA up and just continue doing the volunteering that I was doing. So that's essentially was my approach. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking on that, I feel like I've quoted you so many times on this podcast, almost every time I've had a podcast with someone, uh, I've quoted you and I'll tell you what you said to me. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but a while back you told me that, hey, it's not a matter of when, it's not a matter of will I get in, it's a matter of when you get in. I think this was the first time we had met, we sat down for food and you were telling me that's what your older brother had told you, that's the advice he gave you. And I tried to make sure I passed it on to each uh, Prima through these videos. But uh, what do you think of that? I mean, when you're not in, it's kind of just kind of sucks to keep hearing that because you're like, okay, I kind of want to wait till the time I'm actually in. Mm -hmm. But it was my brother who said that to me. Mm -hmm. And a little bit about my brother, he actually graduated from UBC Medical School. So he was familiar with the process Mm -hmm. and he knew what it essentially took to get in. And whenever I would kind of review my application with him, he always used to give me some positive uh, reinforcement saying, hey, I'm doing the right things. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of if I'm going to get in, it's a matter of when. Yeah. And I think that kind of mindset is always just trying to improve each time and always believing that you are going to get in eventually. Yeah. Um, it really went a long way for myself. For sure. And, and speaking about that, since you brought it up, like, how does one come to that? Or how did you, for example, come to the understanding that, hey, I am enough? Because I feel like for me, even the second time around, I was nervous. I knew I was doing the right things, but there's always that sense of doubt in the back of your head. I'm sure a lot of pre-meds also have that doubt. Is there anything in particular that you did just to kind of like believe in yourself more? Because I mean, that self-doubt is inevitable. It happens for whatever you're about to do regardless if you're starting a new business, if you're going to the, the gym for the first time or applying to med school in this case. Is there any tips or anything that you did in specific to just kind of like believe in yourself and know be like, hey, I can do this? I think there was two factors that I can think of. One was just internal motivation and the second component would be external support. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very lucky to have a really supportive family whether my brother or sister or my parents i would always just keep reinforcing that i'm doing the right things always tell me hey you're doing this you're doing that your grades are going up your application you're approving and they always would say you went from no interview to getting waitlisted so you're climbing the ladder you're essentially getting there Mm -hmm. and i also had uh, my girlfriend shania was also very important in the process where she would always sit down with me and kind of go through my application as well so having that external support really did keep me motivated Mm -hmm. and myself the internal component was you do have to sit down and think hey is this really what i want to do is there anything else that i would want to do and for me it was always a no i always knew if i didn't get in this time i'd be applying again Mm -hmm. And that was just my own personal mindset because I knew this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and it can be really hard moving forward when you do get that rejection or you get that waitlist and you didn't get in. Um, one thing that really helped me was to really take a systematic approach. I sat down, I looked at the components of the application. There's your GPA, there's your non-academic, there's your interview and your MCAT. So you got four components. Mm-hmm. And each time I didn't get in, I looked at each one of those four components and said, hey, how can I improve each one of them and uh, continue to progress and hopefully become um, a candidate that was successful. And you do got to keep in mind is that the people that are applying, they are also working extremely hard and they're very good candidates as well. Each year, UBC always says that they have to reject or refuse people that should that do deserve to be in medical school. And that's the truth. There's a lot of people that wait longer than they necessarily have to. And it just, it's really tough when you are picking applications. So just having good external support and looking at the system and breaking it down and trying to see which areas you can improve really did help me. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of just like a feedback analysis, taking time down to reflect one on, on your goals and why you want to do this. And two, just like a very objective systematic approach, like you mentioned for the application, like what can you improve and what kind of things you can improve? Like um, after a certain point, you can't really fix your GPA unless you keep going in there or keep going to school and taking more classes, right? You can't just magically wish for it to increase. So yeah, man, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one thing about GPA is it gets to a point, at least for me, where I was good with my GPA. I was a little bit above what UBC was looking for. So I knew that component was gone. So it brought it back down to three things, which was a non-academic, the interview and the MCAT. So over the years, I was able to really narrow my focus each time. And then eventually I was successful. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So glad to hear that. Um, I won't take up too much of your time. One last question that uh, I try to ask all, uh, everyone who comes on these podcasts is um, one piece of advice that you have for any students watching and listening uh, that you want to pass on. I think the theme for today's podcast is really just perseverance. We, ca- we already touched on that, but any other pieces of advice or tips that you want to give to someone who's watching this, who might be questioning like, hey, how many times should I apply before it's too many times? The first question is, the last part you said is how many is two times? Um, how many times am I applying where it's too much? That's something that they really have to focus on. There's gonna be a lot of different personal factors that play a role. For example, if someone has a backup plan or a parallel plan, or if they're interested in something else that they could actually pursue, then it might make more sense for that person to pursue that route if they're still gonna get, make them happy down the line. Um, but I think it comes down to it could get really overwhelming to think about the application and having to wait a whole nother year to apply and it becomes a really it really drags on so my advice would be to take some time and sit down and look at those four components of at least a UBC application or if there's another school look at their application mm-hmm. sit down really write it down how you can improve each aspect of your application and what you can do and you take it year by year and then after that year you reassess is this still something I want to do is there still ways I can improve and that can really take take away a lot of the stress because you have a plan and the system in place. So that would be my advice. So reassess why you want to do this and really take a systematic approach. Right. And have those support systems like you mentioned, right? The internal reminder why you want to do this and the external support. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think those go a long way, man. I can speak to that as well. I've had the same same experience, not to that same extent, but uh, I feel like for me, having that time with my family really helped me to get through those hard times, whether it's med school or even just other aspects of life as well. Um, yeah, and it's okay. and I feel like um, if you're pre-med, you reach out to someone that is in medical school that maybe even if you don't know that well, they're usually more than willing to have a chat with you, talk to you because they know how hard the process is. So it'd be nice to just reach out to maybe like a mentor type person or someone that's been through the process and see what they have, what kind of advice they have. And I've done that too, where I talked to people that were just completely random and I would sit down with them and I would just give my honest opinion of what they can do to improve. Yeah. And on that note, uh, shameless plug, that's actually one of the main reasons we started um, the mentorship program with Canon Health and Wellness. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're aware of that. If you've heard of it but it's an organization um, a couple of us started uh, and it's across UBC we have pharmacy students in it uh, we have undergrad students in it and the mentorship program has over a hundred mentors and mentees now uh, with medical student medical school students as mentors with law students with business students basically any graduate degree um, and also undergrad students who want to who want to help high school students so that was the main reasons I started the whole mentorship program I feel like it's so difficult at the beginning to find a mentor because like, hey, would you message or email them? Like, hey, can you mentor me? Such a open-ended or such a close-ended question. Like, what does that even mean? Like, hey, can you mentor me, right? So breaking out that process. Yeah. What do you think that? Yeah, that could be a, it is a tough icebreaker. Um, you could just mention something like, hey, I see that you're in medical school or law school school and that's something i really want to pursue as well i was hoping that we could just have a quick chat and right now I'll probably be over zoom just mm-hmm. the pandemic and that's and that, like i said a lot of people will just be open to doing that even for us like uh if you reach out to a resident right now they're more than happy to just talk over the phone or have a zoom session and just go over whatever you want so <laughs> yeah that's one approach yeah totally man awesome man i think that's everything um is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to include or mention um i think one thing would be uh i was kind of thinking how it would be to be like a pre-med right now during covid and trying to apply and one aspect of the application that could be difficult during these times is looking at your non-academic studies your volunteering and your research and um if people are having difficulties finding different volunteer opportunities there are some organizations like there's one where our classmates took me as a part of uh, the Sikh um, foundation Sikh health foundation so maybe reaching out to organizations like that where you can get some volunteering opportunities during COVID um, it is possible so you should still be trying to improve your non-academic um, I would imagine the research component will be a bit difficult but you got to do what you can do right right Right. Even if it's just data collection, uh, some of the data collection process can be done online, right? Just through public databases. So mm-hmm. my advice always for research is just send as many emails as you can, reach out to people because you're not going to find an opportunity isn't going to come knocking on your door, right? You have to go there, mm-hmm. knock on the doors. And if there's no door, you build a door. <laughs> you find your yeah. way to find the opportunity. Awesome. Thanks for uh, taking time out, AJ. I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully we'll have you on the podcast again soon. Once uh, the pandemic is over, we can do something in person, talk about something different. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And anyone that's still trying to get in, just keep going. And again, just take a systematic approach. 
Definitely. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, see you. All right, and welcome back. Thank you guys so much for watching today's video podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you did, please don't forget to give it a like, give it a comment, share it with all of your friends, and subscribe because that lets me know that you guys are enjoying these video podcasts and these medicine related kind of videos so that I can continue making more of them. And with that being said, I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day and tons of peace, love, and gains for you. I'm from mom and castle, down like ground like gravel, coming back around like lasso, macro, macro, like a vision board I see with clarity, I hustle like my name is Gary V, for more than the wealth of prosperity, accountants was talking about equity, I'm triple H giving the pedigree, the mean and I'm special, my specialty, I'm putting the work till I'm dirt in the earth, I'm moving furniture to Beverly.